0: talked about this morning about why blood and I I don't know I I don't I hope I get it out of my system. I've been talking about the blood and the importance of the blood and I, I know there's so much in the word and of course about being a part of the covenant and then about the cleansing and powerful healing effect. Of the blood. And I know immediately, you know, we all can point to miracles that happened, amazing healing in the Old Testament. We can all point to miracles that Jesus did in the New Testament. And yet we know that uh, even according to Jesus' uh, own words about the Old Testament, In one place, he said, were there not many widows in uh, Jerusalem or in Israel that, and the Lord only sustained one when Elijah prayed? And were there not many that uh, had situations and so the Lord did not heal them all. Mainly healing was a testimony in the physical of what he could do in the spiritual and in the uh, spiritual realm because so often the Lord would say, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And to show you which is easier, to forgive your sins or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, or to say, blinded eyes, be open, or to say, be healed. In the natural, where everybody can go, Oh, wow, that's actually a miracle. Do I believe in praying for healing? Yes. Do we pray for people that are sick? Yes. Do we want people to be healed in the physical? Yes. But is there a healing that goes beyond the physical realm? Yes. And that is a healing in the soul realm, a healing in the spiritual realm, in a time when you are forgiven. And if we were choosing between which was more powerful, Most of us would say, oh, wow, if I saw somebody healed from cancer in the physical, then that would be more powerful than the work of the spirit. And I would argue that the Lord's perspective would be the greater healing is what happens in the spiritual realm. Now, I mean, when I... Look at, here's Brother Tim Galoney here tonight and who's had his own battle and, and the numerous times and uh, uh, that, uh, you know, you look around Brother Wickline and Brother Richard Luzader and others and even Brother Tracy who doctors basically said, you don't do this treatment, you'll never see 2022. Well, guess what? Here it is. Why? The Lord can sustain, the Lord can touch, the Lord can heal, and I still believe that. But the greatest miracle is that one day my sins were washed away by the blood, the cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. That's the greatest miracle. And so, Paul uh, told them in Corinthians, he talks about how I didn't want you to be uh, getting uh, having quarrels and jealousy. And why? Why why all of that list? Quarrels, jealousy, flailing, flailing, flaring tempers, taking sides, angry words, vicious rumors, swelled heads, general bedlam. What, What about that? Because it touches me emotionally. It touches my. It's on the warring fair of the second heaven, if you will. It gets into my spirit. You know. You don't have to. You know. Get somebody mad at you. Before long, you're mad. Somebody do something stupid in a car, and you don't even know who it is. You may never see them in, again in your life. And you can be mad in your car because of what they did in their car, brother Bill said, I've made the case so long now he would ever want to ride with me. I understand, but it, it impacts us spiritually. It impacts us mentally and emotionally. And so Paul talked about that. Of course, I, I, I read this this morning, They're, for their sakes, Jesus said, I sanctify myself. I, he went to Calvary without sin for one reason, so that we could be sanctified, as we call on his name. So that we, does that mean that I'm perfect from here ever after? Not on your life. I am not perfect. And yet, that's why that we need the blood. We need the blood. We need the blood. And John later wrote in his book, uh, in 1 John, his epistle, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Give us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a cleansing effect of being able to just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I need you. I shouldn't have done it. Help me, Lord. You know why? Because it requires us to humble ourselves and say, I need the Lord. I want to tell you something. We're living in a world where I I don't want to humble myself. I don't want to humble myself. I'm amazed at at the level of, of, I don't want to to say I'm wrong. You know, I didn't deserve this. I didn't whatever. Third chapter of, of, of John, later on in his book, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself. Oh, I want to see him. And I know I won't get to see him if I've got him, I'm, trapped in the first level of heaven, (laughs) and all my, I never have any spiritual connection. You see what I'm saying? And he said, purifies himself as he is pure, whosoever commits sin transgresses the law, For sin is the transgression of the law. That's why Jesus would say things, or through the word, through the power of the word, that the word was, that the law was a schoolmaster. The law was supposed to show us, look, here's where you're crossing the line. You know? And and it was that I, that here's where I need the Lord. And he said, for he was manifest for one purpose to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. Whoever abides in him sinneth not, whosoever hath not seen him, neither known him. In other words, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. You cannot adequately have a relationship with God and continue in your sin. You can pretend, you can have a, Flirtation with God or whatever you want to say. Why? Why can't you do it? Because sin becomes yourself centered. You doing what you want to do. And when the Holy Ghost comes in and tells you, Don't do that Well, I can do it. You begin to justify it. You begin to say this is why it's not it won't impact me. I can get by with it. I won't do it. I, I And before long, that's why this is so vital about. Lord, we need the blood. I need to humble myself and ask for the blood to be applied to my life. Lord, I need you to help me break this habit. I need you to help me break this, whatever it is that I'm dealing with, I need your blood. I need your blood. I need your blood. He said, for whosoever sinneth hasn't seen him, neither knoweth him. In other words, he has no relationship with him. Little children, let no man deceive you, for he that doeth Righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning, and for this purpose, the Son of Man, Son of God, was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now you're saying that because I'm born again, I can never sin again, I will never sin. No, you're gonna have a lot of flesh, you're gonna get off track, but you can't keep doing that and expect to maintain your relationship with God. And you say, well, one sin and you're out, one, two strikes, three strikes. Listen, you're thinking wrong already. I wanna be like him. I want him to change me. It's not how many times can I keep sinning, not how many times can I stand in the batter's box and swing the bat, it's how many, how much more can I be like Jesus? And in an hour where, as Paul said, it's a crooked and perverse generation, wow. Simon Peter also spoke about this. So you've had uh, Apostle Paul, you've had the, uh, John the Beloved, and now Simon Peter says, Who is self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being, what did he use? Dead to sins, should live unto what? Righteousness. Then he says, by whose we like the by whose stripes here healed. And people could get frustrated with God. I, I don't understand. God didn't heal so and so, and and therefore I, that you know he said his blood would heal. Is that a fairy tale? No, it's not a fairy tale. But I want to tell you the greatest healing takes place, was, as Simon Peter said, "Who himself bare our sins in his own body." When you are, when you repent, when you ask the Lord to wash you and cleanse you, you go down in the name of the Lord and come up in baptized, covered by his blood, and all. All of a sudden, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the greatest miracle. That's greater miracle that will ever happen to you because it's supposed to transform you. And is it a, a one cure and it's done? No. But as a matter of fact, I have to keep coming and humbling myself. Paul said, I die daily. Why? Because I know in my flesh it's going to war against the Spirit. That's why Paul said in Romans. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. So there is this constant pull to enslave us. You say, well, and that's why we, we encourage our young folks that are sitting up here in the front, and we tell them, don't start a habit when you're 10, 14, 15. Oh, why? Because it will true it's best to enslave you it will do its best to dominate your life. And, uh, you know, I. I I was just at a facility yesterday, and and visiting someone, an in house inpatient for drugs and alcohol, and and here was a young man in his twenties or early twenties, and some in his thirties, and some forties, and some that had children, and some that had, you know, had no family, and and all these men, and I met several, many of them, and uh, most of them that were there, and and, and I, I was visiting and I and and talking. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? Here are people, and this was not in New York. This was down toward Lancaster. And, and it didn't matter whether they were African American. didn't matter whether they were poor. It didn't matter what their background was, where they came from. They were enslaved by sin. And they were doing what they could to break the habit. You can lie to yourself and say, it won't happen to me. It will happen to all of us. That's the power of sin. And he said here, he said, when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then of those things which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is what? Death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness. And to the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why over and over that they would talk about even in the early... Uh, chapters of Revelation one, two, and three about overcoming. To him that overcometh, to him that overcometh. I read these last week when it said to him that uh, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. What is going to help you through every time you find yourself being bombarded and tempted? You're going to have to. You're going to have to say, Lord, cover me with Your blood. You're going to have to say, Lord, cover me with Your blood, and do it with boldness to enter into the holiest. How? How do we get into the presence of God? How do you get into the Shekinah? How do you get into where the anointing touches the altar? This is, you know, here were four guys that were killed, that were two new men that were killed who were standing at the door, the outer door of the temple, outer door of the tabernacle. They weren't even inside and the fire of the Lord fell and consumed them and they weren't even in the presence of the Lord. Imagine what would happen for us who come in and out of the presence of the Lord all the time if we were living under the law. And so it's supposed to somehow motivate you, move you. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say in Hebrews, he said, Jesus so that he might sanctify the people or cleanse the people with his own blood suffered outside of the gate how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unto God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God you have to constantly be pleading the blood you have to constantly be applying the blood you have to constantly be taking and putting the blood on your mind on your heart you say how do you do that do you go get a saucer of blood? No. Do you stand here? No. But hopefully that you'll hear the word and the word will start reminding you, you know what? I got to change it. Maybe you'll talk to somebody who's trying to apply the blood and you're going to say, you know what? I got to have the blood in this area of my life. I've got to put the blood over this relationship. I've got to put the blood over this situation. I've got to put the blood everywhere in my life. That's the only way it keeps me from sinning. That's why. Titus, Paul wrote to Titus and said, put them to be in mind to be subject to principalities and power. So to operate with humility, we have a whole culture now that we don't want nobody to tell us anything, to obey magistrates, to be ready to give to every good work to speak evil of no man, not to be brawlers, or arguers, or fighters, but to be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving all of our lusts and pleasures, LIVING IN MALICE AND ENVY AND HATEFUL AND HATING ONE ANOTHER. OH, PAUL'S TELLING TITUS, WE'VE BEEN THERE, WE'VE DONE THAT, BUT AFTER THE KINDNESS AND THE LOVE OF GOD, OUR SAVIOR, uh, TOWARD MAN APPEARED, NOT BY WORKS OF RIGHTEOUSNESS. YOU CAN'T DO ENOUGH to get into this. You can't live it strong enough to, I'm gonna stop it by myself. No, that's why we have the blood, not by works of righteousness, but by according to his mercy has he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. What are you saying? That at some point it it becomes that the Lord, that, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, I know you say, well, Pastor, how can I make it? How do I, how do I somehow find myself in this situation? I, I will tell you <coughs> that um, <coughs> here we are. I don't know it through that slide in front of the other one. Let me go to the next slide. There it is. I'll come back to that one. Fervent prayer. And this is why, you know, you heard me say, and I know it's us, and I know it's Sunday night, and I I wish I had something that we, we can all say amen and goodbye, and I want you to drive safely and go home. Don't stay around until it gets bad. I don't know how bad it's getting, but... This is one of the reasons why you have to be engaged in what we call pleading the blood, which is another word for fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. And I understand. I'm I, I'm okay with praying and now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Lord bless us, Lord. He And I, I've been guilty of taking the prayer lesson, oh Lord, go that's good. That's good. Better than nothing. But sometimes you've got to get fervent in your prayer. you got to, in the name of Jesus, I'm not saying you have to swing from the chandeliers, but I am saying there has to be a fervency. That's why James said, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he notice what's also in that list if he has committed sin they're also forgiven him they shall be forgiven him and then he says confess your faults one to another that you and do what? Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he calls it, and you can look at the Greek words, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And unfortunately, what we have seen is, you know, it's okay to be passionate over the football team it's okay to be passionate about my team winning and i, I can brave cold temperatures and rah 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 i can do all kinds of things with fervency when i want to do them but can i be fervent with god that's the key and i i know i don't I, we we have early morning prayer and i don't jump out of bed just, you know, rah, rah, biting the chandelier, but praying and being genuine and praying till I get fervent with God. God, we need touch. We need deliverance. We need to be set free. I, we need a miracle. What are you doing? He said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And then he goes and he gives the Old Testament example of who? Elias. And I, was a man subject to passions like we are, and he prayed, and what's the word he used? Earnestly that it might not rain. Now you you'd have to go back, you have to go back into uh, Kings, first Kings the seventeenth chapter, the eighteenth chapter, and you realize. ISRAEL WAS SINNING, THEY WERE BAD. HE PRAYED, LORD SHUT UP THE HEAVENS, HE GOT EARNEST, AND GUESS WHAT? A YEAR WENT BY, TWO YEARS WENT BY, THREE YEARS WENT BY, AND SIX MONTHS, THREE AND A HALF YEARS. AND THEN HE PRAYED AGAIN, BUT YOU REMEMBER THE STORY? HE HAD TO GO THROUGH A FIGHT WITH blood and sacrifices, running to a mountain. You remember the prayer? Oh, God, send the rain. Servant, go tell me, is it raining yet? Sorry, no rain. Oh, God, send the rain. He's just sacrificed. All these animals covered in blood, gore, watch the fire fall. But he, go tell me, is it raining? Nope. Oh God, send the rain. Prayed again, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, seventh time. Finally, the servant comes back and it didn't say like the size of a man's head, it just says there's a cloud that sort of looks like a man's hand. And Elijah said, that's it, that's enough of a sign. You better run, you better, you better get ready because I hear in the spirit world the abundance of rain. Well, what are you saying? That that. He was a man just like we are, and yet he prayed earnestly. Jesus in the garden. The Bible said prayed until he sweat great drops of blood. That's pretty earnest. The early church, they prayed when Simon Peter got thrown in jail, and and they were praying so hard that they didn't even realize it was him at the door. Another time was when uh, they prayed for a lady by the name of Tabitha. She's up in the sound room, different lady, but same name. (coughs) What are you saying? At some point, my fervency has got to be, you know, I've got to pour my passion out to God, because that's what it means to battle on that second level, by that emotional, mental. Have we been there? Yes. Is everybody pretty much tired of it? Yes. Has it been a year? Yes. Has it been two years? Yes. Haven't been three years and six months yet. Do we still have the passion to pray a fervent prayer? God, lead people, lead us to somebody. See the fruit of it this morning, what does that tell you? God's still touching hearts. He's still here. We've still got a job to do. We've got somebody to witness to, somebody to pray for. I'm still believing for miracles. I don't wanna lose my fervency in this hour. Not only do you have to pray with fervency, but you have to have true repentance versus remorse. And you know the difference. I'm sorry I got caught. You know, it's always bad when your hand is actually in the cookie jar or you have Cheetos on your fingers. I'm doing better, I really am. What are you saying, Pastor? And, and he talked about, you know, others, and there are numerous verses that talk about that very sense of, you know, uh, here we are. We're having uh, a sense of, Lord, we don't know. Uh, I, I want to be truly repentant. In 2 Corinthians, he says, Now I'm glad that you were upset. Paul said that to him. Now I'm glad that you were upset. But that, not that I, not that you were. I'm. I'm not. I, I don't want you to. You know. And and I've had people say, and I, and it's amazing. Well, I. I'm sorry that this hurt your feelings. They're not sorry what they did, but I'm sorry it upset you. Well, I'm sorry that this is not okay with you. Are you sorry you did it? No, but. Is that remorse or is that repentance? Don't say, I'm sorry, if you're not really sorry. That's just, I'm sorry, you got a problem with it. I'm glad, not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into what? Turning things around. Let the distress bring you to God. from him. What are you saying? True repentance is what we call godly sorrow. That's what these verses in 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, talks about the difference between godly sorrow and earthly sorrow. And it talks about how that, you know, Esau was, was you know, oh, I'm so sorry, but yet he was still wanting to kill Jacob. GODLY SORROW IS SUPPOSED TO BRING US INTO THE PRESENCE, I NEED GOD, I NEED GOD. THE RESULT WAS ALL GAIN, NO LOSS. GODLY SORROW LEADS TO REPENTANCE. WHEN YOU LET WHAT YOU HAVE DONE DRIVE YOU INTO A DEEPER RELATIONSHIP WITH GOD, THAT'S WHY THE LORD HAS ALLOWED US TO SOMETIMES REALIZE, WOW, I'M OFF TRACK. Why? So that it will drive me closer to God. Distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. But let those who let distress, but those who let distress drive them away from God are full of Regrets, this is out of the message. You can read it in the King James. Go through and read all these words. Those that let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets. That's why when the bottom drops out, who do I go to? When the sun is shining, who do I go to? It's supposed to drive me closer. That's why in the New Testament, Paul would say things like, I will glory in my infirmities. He says they end up on a deathbed of regrets and now isn't it wonderful all the ways in, this dis- in which this distress has goaded you closer to God. You're more alive, more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, more responsible and you've come out with a Purity of heart. What are you saying, Pastor? Why the blood? Why are we going through all we're going through? Why has everybody got things to pray for, getting overwhelmed? Because it's supposed to be driving us closer to God. That's what it's supposed to do. You say, well, it doesn't. It just makes me mad. You're not fighting on the right sphere at some point turn that fervency into prayer. All of a sudden turn it around and say, all right, devil, I am tired of you running havoc. I need you to open the windows of heaven. I need you to move in my family. I need you to move. Say, well, I'm overwhelmed. Only thing I know to do is to start fervently praying. That's why this week, talking about fasting. That's why we're on 40 days of fire, prayer and fasting. Why? It's supposed to motivate us. If you can't pray when somebody is sick or down or hurt, when do you pray? If you can't pray, let's stand. If you can't pray when the bottom's dropped out, well, when do you pray? In the midst of it, going home, drive safely, carefully, drive prayerfully, and if the car starts moving, say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anybody ever been guilty of that? <laughs> Why? Ooh, I could just feel it. Huh? I felt it slipping. I do. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Keep your it- roads have been dry and clear, you might have been thinking about where you were going to get a snack before you went home. But all of a sudden, when, when things are treacherous, you get a little more focused. What's going on in our world, it's crooked, it's perverse, it should be impacting our mind and heart. This is a time to get a little more sensitive to the Spirit. I want to do that, don't you? Let's come. Hallelujah. If you feel comfortable, come, we're just going to worship the Lord.